You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. We're starting a new series tonight on our first almost official PM service of the year. We had an anointing service last week, which was amazing. Uh, if you weren't here, you definitely missed out and make sure you're at the next one. Um, but we're starting a series called Used by God. Used by God. And we're going to be looking at um, some people, just like you and me, who were used by God for extraordinary things. People that use their connection with God as their strength to actually overcome the issue of their day. And we know that without resistance, there is no growth, right? In the principle of uh, in working out, right? When you're lifting a weight, there's a resistance and that's what causes your muscles to grow. And so there's going to be resistance in your life. That's just how life is. You know, I don't know if you were told as a Christian that Life is all rainbows and butterflies. It's not the case. There's actually going to be challenges. There's going to be trials. And so it depends on how we respond to them. And maybe I want to encourage you tonight, if you're going through a challenge, to look at it as an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for God to do extraordinary things in and through your life. And so our foundational scripture is found in Deuteronomy 31 verses 6. And it says this, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I love reading the promises of God. And you should do it too. The promises of God are so good. They're found in His Word. And you can declare this over your life and you can hold on to this knowing that God is not going to abandon you. He's not going to fail you and you can be strong and courageous. And the characters that we're going to look at over the next few months would either have known this scripture, or if they didn't know this scripture, they live by it in their spirit. And so tonight's character we're going to look at is Noah. Now Noah, most of you would probably know in the room Noah and the ark, right? And Noah is a significant figure in the Bible. He's almost, you could say, the reason we're here, right? The world got flooded and he survived and, you know, we're all from the lineage of Noah. And He's a faith-filled man. He's actually in the, the hall of fame for faith, right, in the Bible. He's a faith-filled man. He's a righteous man. And so tonight we're going to focus in on his life and the significant event in his life, which was the flood. And we're going to have a look at what we can learn from his life and his, actual, his response to challenges, his response to adversity and what he did uh, to overcome that. And the story of the flood is found in Genesis chapters 6 to 8, and I'm just going to give a quick summary and reading a few verses here. And so in chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. And the story goes on, and God told Noah about what he was planning to do, about what was going to happen. He instructed Noah to build an ark bringing his family and two of every creature on board, right, for their protection. And it didn't happen straight away, right? There was decades that went on, 50 years, or it could be longer than that, right? 
that the flood didn't come and he was building this ark. And then the waters came and destroyed the earth, killing all living things and Noah and his family and the animals that went on the ark survived. The floods went down and they came out and God confirmed his covenant with Noah and say, I'll never flood the earth again. And so that's the summary of what we're going to look at tonight, the flood story. And I'm not saying, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying we're in the time of Noah right now. I'm not saying we're in end times right now or anything like that. But there, you've got to understand there are similarities, right? 50 years ago, Christianity was probably the norm, right? Christianity is the foundation on which everything was built. Christianity was widely accepted. And even if someone wasn't a believer, they would respect believers. But we live in a society today where we're actually persecuted for what we believe. And we've been persecuted since the beginning, right? But there's a different society now, and you've got to understand the context that you're in to be able to behave in a certain way, to be able to understand how it is that we need to live now as a Christian in our context, in our society. And despite all of this, as a Christian, if you're a Christian here tonight, you are called to live a righteous life despite all the evil around us. Right, and we're looking at Noah, and Noah was an Old Testament character, but he's actually showing us New Testament Christians how to live by faith. In verse 9 it says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was righteous before God. He was blameless before people, and he walked with God. He was in close proximity with God. He pleased God. That's what he aimed to do. And so Noah was the only one. And so Noah was walking with God, and he was actually walking out of step with the culture of the day. He wasn't walking in step with what the world looked like because he was walking in step with God. And no one else was walking with God. And so Noah was the odd man out. Noah was the weirdo, right? This guy that's building this big boat in the middle of dry land with, you know, nothing, nothing like a flood had ever happened before. And so these guys are like, what is this guy even on about? Like, why is he? He's a weirdo. He's the odd one out. And the truth is that you will be the odd one out. And maybe you felt that way. Maybe you're the odd one out in your workplace or the odd one out in your social circle or maybe you're the odd one out in your family even. And you feel because you're walking with God, you're not walking in step with these other people that are surrounding you. But as you, and there's pressure, pressure in that environment. And I'm sure Noah felt tons of pressure, right? He, he, had, he faced ridicule. People were laughing and mocking him, right? And he felt that pressure, but he always turned back to God. He always turned back to his fellowship, his walking close with God. And God spoke to Noah because he was close with him. So God's sitting there and he's looking at the earth and he's seeing how evil and corrupt it is. And he's thinking, oh, you know, this is breaking my heart. Right, and then he sees Noah. And he sees, I know that guy. Noah's the guy that talks to me all the time. The guy that is walking in my way. The guy that is 
righteous living. And so he goes to Noah, he says, no, come here. He says, look, I'm going to flood the whole earth. I'm going to destroy the whole earth. But I found favour in you, okay? And so I need you to build an ark and you can bring your family and I need you to bring two of every animal on it, right? And so Noah, because he was in close proximity with God, God found favour with him and he told him what was going to happen and he chose Noah to use him to save the world essentially at the time, right? And what was Noah's response to this? It says in Genesis 6.22, it says, So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. We do some of what God has commanded us. Right, God? His commands aren't, don't wait for an audible voice or an angel to appear to you. God's commands are found in his Bible. You can read them. And so sometimes we're like, okay, I'm going to go to work. Hey, do you want to come to church? That's a great thing to do. I'm not discounting that in any way. But you're in that action. You're saying, come to church. The pastor will sort it out. You know, the pastor will get you saved. They'll, they'll get everything done. When we're actually what church is, we're here to build you up and send you out so you can see your friends saved. You can actually be that vessel. You don't have to bring them in here just to get them saved, right? You can see them saved and then bring them in here to build them up and encourage them and build their faith and equip them, right? And so God isn't just calling you to invite them to church. He's calling you to share your testimony. He's calling you to speak with them about Jesus and the Holy Spirit will guide you, right? You don't have to know everything. The Holy Spirit is in you and so you can speak to those people. And if you're walking with God like Noah was, obedience is a natural reaction. It's a natural reaction. That's why Noah naturally reacted to that. But if you're not walking with the Lord or you're not walking in righteousness or you're not walking close enough to the Lord, obedience actually becomes an irritation. And so it's a good opportunity to self-check, and it was for myself, and like we did this morning, to have a self-check and just say, when I'm reading God's Word or when something's being preached or when something's said in Connect Group and there's a call for obedience, what is my response? Is my response irritation? Because if your response is irritation, you need to take a step back and be like, oh, hold on. My response should be naturally to obey God. But if it's irritation, take a step back and align yourself and go back to God to begin to walk with Him again. Hebrews 11.7 says this. It says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. The title of my message tonight is Faith in the Flood. Faith in the Flood. And so Noah had to have faith to build this ark. Right, he had no concept of what a flood was. Some people even say that it hadn't even rained on the earth yet, that the water was just coming out of the ground and watering everything like it was in the creation story. But that's neither here nor there. Nothing like this flood had ever happened before. 
And so he had no concept of it. And so he had to just, in faith, build this boat hundreds of miles from any water, right from the ocean. And he's building this massive boat on dry land. And people are like, what are you even doing that for? Like, there's no concept of it, something he didn't know, he didn't see. But we see earlier in that chapter in Hebrews 11.1, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And so he had faith. He had faith in that time. He had faith in the flood. And so how do we have faith in the flood? I just want to talk about a few things of how I saw Noah have faith in the flood. The first thing is this. Preparation. Preparation. Noah was asked to build an ark. And so he did. He worked. Right? There was a work element to it. There was a preparation for this flood that was coming. He started working, cutting down the wood, right? Gathering the materials, building. And it wouldn't have been easy. This thing is huge, right? He doesn't have cranes and all of the mechanical stuff that we have now, right? He would have had to uh, figure stuff out and be able to build this. And it would have taken him lots of time and effort and there would have been pressure. And, but he was preparing. We need to be constantly prepared. If we live in a state of preparation, then we won't be surprised when things come along. Or we won't be taken aback or we won't have to try to run back up the hill, but we'll be prepared for the oncoming battle. But not only that, he was working, he was cutting wood, and most likely during the day, right? He couldn't turn on the LED light at night and just keep working, right? He was working during the day, just cutting trees down and whatever. And then in 2 Peter 2.5, it says, And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. So he was working by day, and then it says that he was warning people of God's righteous judgment. So he was working by day, and he was witnessing at night. Right? So he was warning people. He was preaching the message of repentance. He was trying to bring people in. And so we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared to build that ark. And how do we build it? We build it by faith. Right? Because we don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to build it by faith. In Genesis 6, 15 to 16, it says, Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower middle and upper. Now I put that verse in there because God cares about specifics. To show that God, and there's many instances in the Bible where God gives specific instructions about things. And so God actually gives us specific instructions in his word of how to live by faith, of how to live a Christian life in the society that we live in. You know, it says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we've got to, as we walk, we're not conforming to what the world is walking. We're walking out of step in God's way. And so God cares about specifics. And so in our preparation, we've got to learn how to walk with Him. It says in His Word, meditate on His Word day and night. 
It says pray without ceasing. It says devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. It says enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Right? We are created to worship him. And so that's the way in which we uh, prepare. We be obedient. And as we do, we need to be obedient to share God's word with others as well. Right, it's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go out into the world and preach the gospel, right? And we've got to be prepared to do that. And it's in our obedience that that happens. The first thing of how to have faith in the flood is we need to have preparation. The second thing is we need to have patience. Patience. It took a long time for God's word to pass. You know, almost a full lifespan for us. A long time. And maybe here and you're waiting for something to happen. God's made a promise to you or there's a word being declared over you. I just want to encourage you in this moment that God is faithful. That he will do what he says he's going to do. And when the flood came, Noah and his family and the animals were on the boat for 150 days. So that was a long time that they were on the boat as well. And maybe you're in a flood right now and you're feeling like there's no end in sight. You're feeling like the flood waters are all around you and it doesn't look like they're going down. It doesn't look like they're receding. It will. The flood waters did go down. There is always a hope. Romans 12.12 says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. As you be patient, you rely on God. You continue to walk with Him, in step with Him. God will never fail you or abandon you, right? And we can be strong and courageous because we know that He won't fail. And we need to, be, we need to have patience in that time, in the time of waiting for either the flood to pass or a promise to come. And the third thing is this. How to have faith in the flood is we need to have praise. We need to praise. Genesis 8, 20 to 22. Noah, the flood is finished. He's come to dry land and he's come out. And the first thing he did was this. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never again destroy all living things as long as the earth remains. There will be planting and harvesting, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. When God brings you through the flood, praise Him. That should be our response. That was Noah's response. He sacrificed to the Lord. He worshipped Him. We need to worship and praise God in response to when He brings us through the flood. Because sometimes if we get out the other side of the flood and we're like, great, we're here. It's all good. And we forget about God. Right? But God's actually the one that brought you through it because you need to rely on Him. You need to lean on Him for strength. And so we need... Those three things of how to have faith in the flood and we can learn from Noah. 
be to have preparation, to have patience, to praise Him when He brings you through the flood. And the good news is this, that in the time of Noah, the world was destined for death, right? The flood was coming. And so Noah was a, essentially the saviour of the world. The whole human race, right? He was still alive and so the race, human race continued from him. And our world, with every single person, past, present and future, was destined for death and destruction because of sin. And Noah here was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ who is the true Saviour who is the Saviour of the world. The ark is our salvation. And our salvation is found in Jesus. And when you abide in Jesus, you are protected. There's a covering, there's a blessing, there's life found in Jesus. There's hope found in Jesus. And you know what the good thing is? We're not like Noah. Noah had to live by his own righteousness and he wasn't perfect. But now Jesus has come. And so we no longer have to live by our own righteousness. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more or love us less. But instead, we now live by the perfect and unblemished Lamb that is Jesus Christ. And He was the Lamb that was slain for us. When we come to God with a sacrifice, it's Jesus. And He's perfect and God accepts the sacrifice and God is pleased by it. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how far you think you've run away from God or whatever it might be, God still loves you. And we can live a life of faith even in the society that we live in today, even with all the troubles that we face, even with the world going crazy around us, we can walk with God and live in faith. Whatever it is, pandemic, walk with God. War, walk with God. Family situation, walk with God. Relationship breakdown, walk with God. Addiction, walk with God. You've just got to bring it back to walking with God and He will never fail you. He will never abandon you. So I want to pray for some people tonight. If everyone could just close your eyes and bow your heads. Maybe you're here and you're saying that you've never said yes to Jesus before. You've never accepted Jesus paying that price for you and saying that you are my Lord and Saviour, you repent, you turn away from your own ways and choose to follow Christ and say yes to Him and that's where hope is found. That's where a future is found. He's got plans and purposes for your life that are for good, not for evil. And you can walk in this faith and in this blessing that God has for you. 
And so if that's you here tonight, maybe you want to start that relationship with God. Jesus came, he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. He rose again in three days, defeating death and the power of sin so that we could have a relationship with God. So if you want to start that relationship today, I would love to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you're here and you've said yes to Jesus before, but maybe you've walked away. And maybe you want to recommit your life in this moment to God. This is really a moment between you and God. Right? And we'll pray with you and we'll uh, guide you and we'll talk with you about what that decision is. But this is a moment between you and God saying, God, I want to follow you. I choose to put my life in your hands. So if that's you, I'm going to count down from three. And if that's you, I'll just ask if you could just raise your hand. Every head bowed and eye closed. If that's you, just raise your hand. Three, two, one. If that's you, you can raise your hand nice and high. Great. You can put your hands down. If there's anyone else, I want to give you the opportunity. Don't want to let this moment pass. So good. I want to pray for another group of people. If you're here and maybe you feel like you're in the flood, or maybe you relate to anything that I said tonight, maybe you feel like you're the odd one out and you need some strength. Maybe you feel like you're in that preparation time, in the waiting. Maybe you're out of the flood and you need to praise God in this moment. Maybe there's something that you just need an injection of faith. For. I would love to pray for you tonight for that injection of faith. If that's you, you can just raise a hand now where you're at. Great. Hands up all over the place. Awesome. Awesome. You guys can put your hands down. Dear God, I thank you so much for those hands. Lord, you know those situations. You know those people. You know their hearts. God, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you'd give them an injection of faith. Lord, you would just increase in them, Lord, your Holy Spirit. Lord, that there'll be another level, Lord, that they would go on in their faith, Lord. Lord, that they would rely on you more. They would lean into you more. And Lord, as they seek you, as they draw near to you, Lord, you will draw near to them. God, you will reveal yourself more and more to them. Lord, you remind them, Lord, that you are for them, Lord, that you have gone before them, Lord, that you will not fail them. You will not abandon them, Lord. I declare that over their lives, Lord. And I declare that over every single person's life in here, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, God, for your grace, your love, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 